beginning was the Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory full of grace and truth. This morning, and uh, just appreciate you coming in and joining us to worship and echo what James said. The, the worship this morning was fantastic, and you know sometimes we just get a little glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. Could you imagine having nothing to do but that nonstop? It'd be fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely worth a woohoo. Hey, will you do me a favor? Will you stand up with me? We're going to look at John 21 verses 15 through 19 today. And so just every week, just out of reverence for the Word of God, I just invite you to stand as we read through these verses. Starting in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Father, we just give this time to you and just ask that your word touches our hearts and our minds and refreshes and renews us and brings us before your son, draws us before him, that we may respond to him today, this morning, in whatever way your spirit leads. And we ask that in his name, amen. Hey, you can have a seat. So if you've been paying attention over the last nine weeks, we've been exploring the person of Jesus in the Gospel of John and this entire series called Simply Jesus has been moving to this point, to this message. My hope is that you've been able to see him in a fuller way through this series. You've been able to see him in a deeper way through this series as he truly is. And that as a result of seeing him as he is, that you are drawing closer and closer to him with each message. So, so far, we've seen that Jesus is the only worthy king. He's the only perfect teacher, the only true source, the only righteous judge, the only one deserving of our trust, that he's one with the Father, that he's our true peace, that he's our spiritual nourishment and our only true freedom. My prayer is that you found through this series Jesus to be desirable as the one whom you can love passionately. Now you have to understand that love is a choice, right? We forget that sometimes. And it's a choice that leads to a commitment, it leads to action, it leads to a response. To love Jesus passionately always begins with a decision. 
a decision to steer our desires towards relationship with him, a decision to allow our desire for him to be the lens through which we view every other facet of our lives. And as we view our entire life through the lens of desire for him, everything else comes into focus. It's a decision that seeks to align all of our affairs in our lives with our decision to follow Jesus. And so having encountered Jesus who is worthy of our highest love and devotion, it's time for each of us to face a question this morning. This question is an old question. It's a 2,000 year old question. It's been asked or will be asked by every person who has ever lived. It's also a question that gets asked over and over again throughout our lives. It's found in Matthew 27, verse 22. Listen to this. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? How you answer that question will not only define your eternity, but it will also define your present existence. And there's really only one of two answers you can give to that question. We either answer, I will reject him or I will follow him. There is no other answer. There is no in between. There is no maybe or partial credit. There's only two answers to this question. And either one we give, either answer we respond with, will lead to being asked this same question over and over again throughout our lives. If your answer is, I will reject him, God in his infinite mercy and grace will continue to lead you back to this question until you have, by the power of your desire to live only for yourself, hardened your heart so deeply towards Jesus that your rejection is your final answer. And for those of us who have said, I will follow him, then God in his infinite love and grace will continue to lead us to that question until we've been transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit and the desire of our will into the very image of Jesus. But either way, you're gonna be asked that question over and over again throughout your life. This whole series through John has been leading to this question to spend nine weeks gazing upon Jesus, looking at him as who he is, and not invite everyone hearing my voice to ask this question would be spiritual malpractice. There is no point to view Jesus simply as a, a, an interesting person or someone that we can approach as a novelty. If we look at him, if we examine him, if we explore him, we must ask this question. To know him and see him more clearly without asking, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ would honestly just be a big, huge, colossal waste of time. And so here we are this morning faced with a 2,000 year old question and I believe that God's desire is for those who have, to this point in life, rejected him to say, I have met the one I can love passionately. 
I also believe that God's desire is for those of us who have responded with I will follow him to say I will grow in Christ intentionally. And so either answer begins with a choice to love Jesus and it ends with our transformation into the image of Jesus. Both answers begin with that choice. Awkwardly, in this life at first, but eventually, perfectly in eternity when we're face to face with him, if our answer is to follow him, we will become like him. And so as we ask this question this morning, I'm I'm going to show you how Peter faced this same question in John 21. Even after he had committed to follow Jesus and been in his presence for three years, But before we dive into Peter's answer to this question, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ, I want to set the scene for you in John 21. This scene in John 21 is after the resurrection of Jesus. It's the third time he's appeared to his disciples. They've been out fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. Jesus, standing on the shore, tells them to put the nets out one more time. And they find this massive catch of fish. And then they, at this point, recognize it's Jesus on the shore. Peter jumps in the water, swims to the shore. He can't get there fast enough. And that's where verse 15 picks up after they've had breakfast together and Peter is engaged personally one-on-one with Jesus. And the conversation that Peter and Jesus are about to have is a conversation that Jesus is placing before Peter this question. Peter, what will you do with me, the Christ? See, remember back in Matthew 26, verse 33, right after Jesus has said, hey, when I get arrested, all of you are gonna scatter and run away. This is what it says in verse 33, uh, Matthew 26. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. You guys remember that in the gospel? Peter standing up and going, not me, not me. I'm not going anywhere. They're all going to fall away, but I'm not going to fall away. And then after that, Jesus tells him, not only will you fall away, you're going to run away, but you're going to deny me three times. By midnight tonight, you will have denied me three times. And see, this conversation, this breakfast in John 21 is the conversation that's going to invite Peter out of the guilt and the shame and present him with a moment of closeness to Jesus. And so verses 15 through 19 reveals the desire of Jesus' heart to have us as his own no matter our failings. And it shows us exactly what Jesus desires from us as his followers and those who seek to grow in Christ intentionally. So we're going to pick up in verse 15 here, and that's kind of the background. Here's Peter and Jesus. They've just had breakfast, and it's time to address the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is not Peter's denial or sin. The elephant in the room is the future. What will you do with me now? That's the elephant that Peter has to face. So listen to this in verse 15, which we just read. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Notice this. Peter, or Jesus referred to Peter as Simon, son of John, not Simon Peter. Previously, if you remember back in Luke 6, 
At the very beginning of their ministry, when, when Simon was called, Jesus renamed him Peter, the Greek word for rock. Now he's calling him by his given name and his identity in his father, not his identity in Christ. And this is not an insult or an accusation. Jesus is not trying to make little of Peter. It's actually an invitation to self-examination. He's inviting Peter into looking into himself and saying, what are you gonna do with me, Peter? What are you gonna do with me? Because that's what self-examination is. It's simply asking this question, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? It's to ask, how do I align all of my affairs to follow through on my decision to follow Jesus in this moment, in this circumstance, in every moment of my life? It's not, I've answered the question once and now I just move on. That's great for salvation, but that doesn't work in sanctification. Sanctification demands we ask this question over and over again as we search our hearts and our minds. So Simon Peter, as the son of John, he could have gone back to his old life, the life of a fisherman, and he could have abandoned his call to be a fisher of men. To some degree, he's done that. What were they doing? They were fishing. They weren't fishing for men, they were fishing for fish. Peter has already gone back, to some degree, to what he knew. And so to answer the question, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ, we must begin with examination of ourselves in our present circumstances. We have to look at what's happening in our lives now and how am I responding to it? And more importantly, where is Jesus in my life in this moment? And so here's the first truth you need to realize that comes out of this conversation of restoration and transformation. It's this, to grow in Christ intentionally begins with the question, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ in every circumstance of my life? Every moment, every circumstance. See, asking this question of self-examination leads to faithful following and obedience that grows over time. If we never ask this question again, after we've said, I will follow him, our growth will be halted and our obedience will be difficult. And so now we gotta look at the second part of verse 15, right? Jesus has said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? See, what's happening here is Jesus, Jesus is now rooting this question, then what shall I do with Jesus, who's called the Christ, in desire? He's gone to Peter and said, you have to answer this question, but your answer comes from desire. Peter, do you desire me above everyone else? Are you prepared to choose me over everyone else? Because remember, love is a choice. And the word Jesus uses here in the Greek when he says, Peter, do you love me, is the word agape. And I know we've heard that word, we've all heard it at different points, but that word is the highest form of love. It's the very image of God's love for us that he places in us so that we may love him like he loves us. It's the love that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13. Verses four through seven. We've all heard these verses. Many of you had these verses said at your wedding. 
But listen to this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now look at Peter's response to Jesus' question. Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. See, there's a breakdown in this for us because unfortunately, the English language is not nearly as expressive as the Greek language. We only have one word for love. If you ask me if I love chocolate ice cream, I would say yes. If you ask me do I love my dog, I would say yes. If you ask me do I love my wife, I would say yes. Would any of you think that I meant the same thing across all of those? I hope not. I hope not. I certainly hope my wife doesn't think that. But see, the Greeks had four words for the words love. Jesus used the word agape, which is the highest form of love, which is selfless love, which is the love that he loves us with, the love that says, I can die to myself for your sake. But Peter, in his response, uses the word phileo. We don't get that in the English, but it's in the Greek. The word phileo means to be fond of, to love as a dear friend. It's a friendship kind of love. It's where we get the word brotherly love. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Do you see the difference? Jesus asked Peter, do you love me in a selfless, perfect, highest possible way? And Peter says, yes. I love you like a dear friend, like a brother. Peter, having made statements that he would never deny Jesus, that he'd never leave Jesus, even if everybody else runs away, I'm not gonna run away, is not quite ready to commit to the highest love towards Jesus as a choice and then fail again. Essentially, what Peter is saying is, I am not prepared to have my mouth write checks that my body cannot cash anymore. I'm gonna come to you with what I have without this bragging and grandness. Now, before we get too deep into Jesus' responses to Peter's profession of this lesser love, we need to walk through the two other times in these verses that Jesus comes to Peter and says, hey, you need to examine your desire for me so that you can ask yourself the question, what will you do with me? And so in verse 16, it says, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Again, Jesus uses the word agape here, and Simon Peter responds with the word phileo. Do you love me above everything else? Yes, I love you like a brother. Could you imagine at the altar of your wedding, the pastor, the preacher says, look at your bride and tell her, I promise to love you forever. And you looked at her and said, I promise to value you as a dear friend and treat you as a sister forever. Exactly. That's what's exactly happening here. It's exactly what's happening here. And then we get to the third time in verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved 
because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now all of a sudden, Peter's sad. He's sad, we think, because Jesus asked him three times. We think he's sad because Jesus didn't believe him the first two times. When reality shows us, when the Greek tells us this, this time, this third time, Jesus looked at Peter and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He used the word phileo. Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me? You see what's going on here? It's causing Peter grief that Jesus has said, no, I'm not gonna even ask you if you agape me anymore. I'm just gonna ask you, do you, do you really even phileo me? I think Peter's grieved because he can't offer Jesus the fullness of love. He can't with integrity tell Jesus that he desires him above all else. And Jesus has picked up on it. Peter feels exposed in his honesty and he feels vulnerable before Jesus. You see, because to answer this question, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ, we have to be honest with ourselves and with Jesus in our self-examination. That's the next truth we have to realize as we examine ourselves. To grow in Christ intentionally, I must be honest and vulnerable with Jesus. Peter's being honest and vulnerable. Do you agape me? Yes, I phileo you. Do you agape me? Yes, I phileo you. Do you phileo me? Man, Lord, you know everything. You know I phileo you. Honesty and vulnerability is essential if we're gonna sit before the Lord and say, search my heart and my mind. But now we need to look at Jesus' response to Peter in each of the times he questioned him. So verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And then in verse 16, second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Then tend my sheep. Third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I phileo you. Then feed my sheep. See, Jesus gives Peter a path to walk here a course of action to take as a result of his desire for Jesus, even though his desire is limited, even though his desire is not what Jesus was seeking. See, to answer the question, then what shall I do with this man Jesus who's called the Christ, our self-examination should result in action. Desire to grow in Christ intentionally must be paired with action towards obedience of Jesus. We can't simply say, Lord, you know I want you and I will do nothing. Lord, you know my desires for you, you know I love you and now I will just sit here. It doesn't work like that. Hopefully you can see that this conversation of restoration is rooted in an invitation given to Peter to ask himself the question, what shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? 
I want to glance back for a moment, all the way back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, to the beginning of the call of these disciples. All the way back to Luke 5, in verse 10, it says this, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought the boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the moment that Peter first committed to Jesus. It's the first time he said, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna lay down my life. I'm gonna walk out of my history and let you give me a new future. He answered the question, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? His answer was, I, I'll follow him. And yet here he is again, three years later, answering that same question. Do you see that no matter how long ago I've answered that question with I will follow him, I need to ask it again and again if I'm going to grow in Christ intentionally? Now I know you might say, yeah, but, but here's the thing. Peter denied Jesus and he had to be restored to fellowship with Jesus. So here's my question, anybody thinking that? What are you saying, that you haven't? I know I have, on a regular basis. In every choice that says I love me more than I love him, I am denying him. In every answer of no, when he says go, I'm denying him. In every act of selfishness and pride, we deny Jesus. We're all in the same spot that Peter was in when they had breakfast this morning. We all need to ask that question in this moment, on this day. Then what shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? See, here's the deal. Growing in Christ intentionally means that we are constantly saying a new yes to Jesus in everything. There's always a new yes. Will you go for me? Yes. Will you look at this in yourself? Yes. Will you let me have my way in this hurt and in this hangup, in this habit, in this anger, in this, this thing that oppresses you? We're always invited into a new yes on a daily, ongoing basis. That's why self-examination is as essential to us as it was to Peter in this moment. We must let Jesus ask us over and over again, do you agape me? Knowing that it's okay to say, you know, Lord, in this situation, compared to my selfishness, my desires in this moment, I don't really agape you, I phileo you. I agape this thing. I agape this. I agape these desires that are rising up in me. I phileo you. See, because here's the deal. Growth comes out of honesty and vulnerability. And self-examination is a practice that's learned and then acted on. It's not something we instinctively invite ourselves into and enjoy. Now, have you ever been in a, a makeup department at a, uh, one of these big stores? They have those, those makeup mirrors. Like all the ladies are going, oh my gosh. And all of us guys are going, what? It's like this mirror that has this big magnifying glass in front of it. And they're, oh yeah, come look at this. See if you like this. And you know what, ladies? They're, they're kind of 
hosing you in that. Because really, they know if you look at yourself through this intense magnifying glass, you're going to go, oh, my word, I need to buy more makeup. <laughs> See, guys, we don't have that problem because we don't ever look at ourselves that way. We roll out of bed and go, here I am, world. But what happens is this. When we start to look at ourselves, we see every flaw. We see everything that tells us we're not right. Something's wrong somewhere. And then we do what you ladies do at the, the makeup counter. How do I cover it up? Let me put some makeup on my soul so it'll look better to, to all of you. That's not what self-examination is. Self-examination is I'm going to look at my soul through the lens of the Holy Spirit and I will be okay with every flaw is there, knowing that in each of my flaws, there's a place to invite you into. There's a place to ask you to come in and do a work here. There's a question you're asking me in this flaw, in this failure, in this brokenness. What are you going to do with me? Are you going to let me in? Are you going to let me have it? Self-examination is not something that we just naturally want to do. Actually, deep in our souls, we're kind of opposed to it the same way we don't really like looking, because here's the deal. I bet none of you ladies have one of those uh, makeup counter mirrors in your own house, do you? Because we don't want to see ourselves like that all the time. I just want to see me like that when I know there's something I can do about it. When I'm at the makeup counter, there's something I can do about it. So I don't mind seeing this. These giant pores that look like lunar craters. And cover them up. While I'm here, I can cover them. If I see those at home, I might not go anywhere today. I need the expert. And that's what self-examination does. It tells us we can sit before Jesus and let him look into our soul and say, where is the flaw? Let me have it. Let me in there. We've got a weekend coming up in April that if you have never considered how do I live a life of self-examination, I'm not talking about one time, I'm talking about on a regular basis. How do I get to the point where my daily life is throughout my day, I'm asking the question, what then shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ in this moment? In my driving when I get angry at the slow driver, in Walmart, when the person at the self-checkout lane really isn't qualified to operate that equipment. With my kids, when they don't listen. With my boss, when he's disrespectful. With the other kids at my school, when they just ignore me. That's why we need to examine ourselves on an ongoing basis. And so we have a weekend coming up in April that we talked about in our announcements. I want to invite you to put that on your calendar now. It's a Friday night and Saturday. It is a great starting point to look into ourselves and go, how do I practice self-examination and become honest and vulnerable before Jesus? Now, before you feel like, wait a minute, I'm not sure about that. Notice I didn't say honest and vulnerable before each other. We're not going to bring you in on Friday night and go, okay, everybody take a turn, tell us everything that's wrong with you. And let's all share our brokenness. It's an invitation that Bill and Christy do a very good job of walking you into experiencing time face-to-face -face with Jesus in your own soul and heart. Let him speak to you there. See, here's the deal. 
when I know where I am in my faith, then I begin to understand how to participate with the Holy Spirit in growing in Christ intentionally. And then I'm invited into making that choice to agape Jesus, not simply phileo him. You can go to the website and, and register for that, but it's a great way to walk into this practice of let me look at myself, find Jesus there, and let him do that work in me. See, there's one more thing that I feel like I need to point out about all this, this conversation with, with, between Peter and Jesus. Jesus asked Peter twice, do you agape me? Peter responded twice with, I phileo you. Finally, Jesus asked him, do you phileo me? And that grieved Peter, but it didn't grieve Jesus. Nowhere in there does it say, and Jesus was grieved because Peter said, I phileo you. It didn't grieve Jesus. Here's the point. If you're sitting here asking, then what shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? And you have never responded with I will follow him. Can I just tell you that you can make that decision today? You can do that today and you don't need to do anything or get anything in order or change anything about yourself to do it. The fact that Jesus accepted Peter's phileo when he asked for agape, tells us that Jesus will accept whatever level of devotion you can offer him now honestly in this moment. You don't need to say, well, I, I don't agape him, I don't love him above all else in this moment. Fine. Start with what you have. But whatever level of devotion you can sincerely offer him today is acceptable to him to start this and to bring you into himself. See, that's the first step in growing in Christ intentionally is actually committing to follow him. Step number one, if you need to make a decision of love today, and remember, love is a choice, not a feeling. It's a choice we make. And what Jesus asked Peter for here is love. First, let's start there not mental assent, not belief, not understanding of scripture. Let's start with desire for me and then we'll move into those things. But that's what he asked him for first. If you're gonna commit to follow me, then do you love me? And oh, by the way, if the love you have for me is not quite the love I'm looking for, that's okay, we'll start there. That's his invitation to every one of us. If you're in this room today and you have not committed to follow him, I want to ask you to do this. We're going to sing a song here in a moment. And as that song plays, I want to invite you to let him ask you that question. What are you going to do with me? Jesus, who's called the Christ. And at the end of our service, we'll have some prayer partners down here and we're gonna invite you to come down. If you wanna pray with somebody, you can do that. If you're not sure what you need to do next, you can talk to them. Maybe during that song, you've been following Jesus for a while and the Holy Spirit's saying to you, yes, but what are you gonna do with Jesus in this area of your life? This thing that you cling to, this thing that you look at him and say, Lord, I agape this more than I agape you. How do I let it go? But make no mistake, to spend nine weeks looking at Jesus in the Gospel of John and not make some kind of decision this morning is truly spiritual malpractice. 
Because to see him, just as Peter saw him, demands a response. Father, we're so grateful for this day. We're so grateful for the worship, Lord. But mostly, we're just grateful that we can see you and know you. And Lord, I'm so thankful that just as you did with Peter, you come to us and say, this is what I want. I want the highest devotion. I want the greatest love. Will you give me that? And Lord, you know every one of us replies with something less than that. Because on our own, we're not capable of it. We're not capable of choosing you above all else. But if we will just say, I will follow you, you will continue to ask that question over and over throughout our lives. And every answer moves us deeper into following you perfectly, into obeying you fully, into loving you above all else. And so Lord, I ask your spirit just to come into this room and do what you would do in each of our hearts as we sing this song. Amen.